uh, uh, Coach um, Zach Kravitz with the uh, Indianapolis Chronicle. When can we expect Davis to be back from that knee injury, and, and what do you expect from him in his return to the 3-4 scheme? Coach Cliff Calhoun, Channel 10, how you doing? What do you think of these crazy fans packing the stadium? I mean, can you just speak a little bit more to what that environment does to fire the guys up? (laughs) DJ PK brought to you in part by Mark Miller. Mark Miller Subaru bringing you DJ and PK in the morning. That PK is comedy bit you were referencing uh, earlier. That guy's funny. <laughs> Joey Molinaro is his name. Yeah. The 3-4 defense. The crazy fans. <laughs> hey, coach. <laughs> oh, TV people. Where would we be without him? TV-less. Coach. <laughs> Cliff Calhoun. <laughs> Channel 10. How you doing? <laughs> You got so good with it. That's exactly what's happening. <laughs> I'll give you credit. That's not you. <laughs> <laughs> and the video of him doing it, too. The The newspaper guy looks all serious. The TV guy is just relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> it's a day at the beach. Oh, brother. <laughs> All right, the question of the morning. Anthony Davis is out. If you missed it over the weekend, him limping off the floor, holding the, putting the hand on the ankle, the tendinosis is back. He's had an MRI. He's getting another one today, apparently, in L.A. The Denver MRI cannot be trusted. But he's not going to play before the All-Star break. That seems pretty clear. So now the question is, how long will he be out after the All-Star break? And they're going to reevaluate him there in March and try to figure that out. So the Jazz are 23-5. and How much can they pull away from the Lakers now that AD is out? Lock down the one seed. Put the Lakers and Clippers on the other side of the bracket. Let them play each other in the second round. Golden opportunity right in front of them. And you talk about disrespected there is no NBA team that is more disrespected in its own market than the Clippers. Ah. <laughs> Even the Knicks are not as disrespected. There's obviously not that many markets that have multiple teams. But the Clippers, and it is overwhelmingly a Laker town. And the reason why I want that to happen, it benefits the Jazz potentially. If the Jazz don't beat the teams in round one or two, it doesn't matter. I understand that. But... The Clipper just little brother brother syndrome, and this is our chance to win this town. The ramifications of that are just unlike anything we've ever seen in all these years the Clippers have been there. So I think, man, that would be so intense to see those two teams play each other. And maybe, maybe a benefit. I mean, there's nothing wrong with benefiting, winning a title and benefiting. In the end, nobody really cares. Nobody cares what breaks you cut along the way. Yeah. You either had the trophy or you didn't. You either had the 16 wins or you didn't. Yeah, right. That's all that matters. And if somebody else got hurt or or whatever it might be, so what? And if the Clippers were put all their energy and, and then were gassed against the Jazz, so what? <laughs> it just doesn't matter. 
Dan tweets at us, hey, I love the way the Jazz are playing, but do you think there's such a thing as the Jazz peaking too soon? Well, of course. I mean, there's always a chance that you play your best basketball in a month that doesn't involve the playoffs. In this case, you know, they're playing their best basketball in January and February. I mean, is there a chance that's going on? Sure. I mean, we didn't expect them to go 19-1 now. We don't expect them to go 19-1 later. But you don't feel any better if they just lost more now. If they lost more now, then they would be better later. You pretty much just have to take the wins when they come. Well, when I look at it peaking, I don't think they are peaking. You think they can play better than this? Well, Conley's out, so his return is going to make them better. So right off the bat, off the top of my head, yes. Right there. Absolutely. Yes. And they don't necessarily need to play better. Peaking, if you're not speaking, by definition means you've hit a plateau. I'm not saying they've hit a plateau. So I'm not saying they can play better, but that doesn't mean that they're peaking. Because this could be the level. If we had a timeline right now, you know, that what you see in the medical thing of the thing going up and down and the, the EKG? Rate. Yeah, right. How's his so, heartbeat? Right. That's not necessarily the case. They could just be a, a flat thing, and this is be what they're capable of doing consistently. Because I can argue individually, Clarkson is Clarkson, and he finds a way to get it done most nights. Last night he found a way to get it done at a high, high level, so you're not going to count on 40 points in 26 minutes. I mean, that, the production is just off the charts. Uh but I think Mitchell can be more efficient. Gobert can make better free throws, have better percentage on that. There's no doubt about that. Not sure Joe can play much better. I'll grant you that. And Yang has worked himself into, in his 15 minutes, of doing pretty good. But I think Bogdanovich, if statistically, if you just look at his points, he's clearly underachieved to the level that he did last year. Not that it matters because you're 19 and one, but if you're looking for guys, if you're if you're worried about that or concerned, might be a better word. I can chip away at that theory. And plus, shooting is shooting. And are any of these guys going to go in a prolonged shooting slump? They'll have their moments where they're hotter than others. That's shooting. But the thing about it, we we say shooting comes and goes, but I don't know with the Jazz that it really goes. It comes. But does it really go? Because if Bogey's not hitting, well, I got two or three other guys that are hitting. And, and when I look at Joe, is he shooting beyond what he's capable of shooting right now? I don't think so. In any one game, sure. Over a sustained period of time, no, probably not. He's shooting 51% and 44% from three, so I don't know what you're expecting. You know, I don't see how he could do better than that over a prolonged period of time. Is he going to shoot 50% from three, be up there with the league leaders, shoot 55% from the field? Seems like a stretch. But Uh, Bogey's dropped back below 40. Actually, the Jazz have not shot the three that well over the last uh, four games or so. First half of the Milwaukee game. Or first half of the Boston game, I think. Uh, it was pretty good. Yeah, I think Joe started four for four like yeah. uh, my man uh, Clarkson did. And that's my personalized license plates. Four, four, four. Wrong reason, wrong sport, but it works. The, ma- the numbers work. Four for four. Now, I've never gotten that. 
I've never had a personalized license plate, but that that's my goal one day when you know I when I've arrived. So I don't know that I'll ever have it because I don't know that I'll ever arrive. But when I've arrived financially, you'll never let yourself admit you arrived, even if you have arrived well, a few they years won't ago. Let me. They, I, well, I arri- they, I arrived, and then things happen. <laughs> so, <laughs> not sure that that's going to happen anyway. But that would be my ultimate personalized license plates four, four, four. And Joe did that, and Clarkson did that. I'm not worried about peaking. I want to see how long this run can go. That's my whole point in the question. How long can this run go, and can you build a five-game lead between you and the Lakers? Well, we wondered a while ago how long the run could go, and it's gone a while longer. It's, uh, you know, we say, well, here come the best in the East, and now they've played the three, what, three of the top Swatted four in the East. Away. Yeah, I know. Played the team that went to the finals. Get yourself an Eastern All-Star team and then come back to us. <laughs> okay. And now, are the Clippers and Lakers going to be shorthanded? It looks like the answer to that is going to be yes. So those look like big tests, but if, if, if either Kawhi or Paul George is out, that changes anything. And if they're both out, like they were last night, then that changes a lot. I don't think it changes anything in the standings. If you win, you gain the game on them. You don't gain a half game because they missed a player or two. Doesn't work that way. Sure, but we want the measuring stick. We want the eyeball test. Are they really better than these guys? And if we, well, no, yeah, but you're not going to find that in a regular season anyway. So what's the difference? Because the, the only question that remains is who, who can you beat four times in the postseason? Because they're going to go to the postseason. So you're not going to find the answer to that in February, irregardless. So just assume not have those guys and build yourself up because you may have some injury issues. You've been pretty well excellent health, all things considered, relative to everybody else of what's been going on in this league with the usual run or rash, depending on who it is, of injuries. And then you factor in the COVID situation with the tracing. And then you got all this stuff going on here. And when you step back, the Jazz have been very, very fortunate in that way. But that's my whole point. You're not going to find out for sure, so why not have those guys be out and build yourself a better lead? And so you set it up that you have the number one seed. And it's not so much the home court. It's the opportunity to have those teams play each other. That's a big, big deal, I think, this year. Take your chances with the Suns or the Blazers or the Spurs, whoever it is that ends up winning that 4-5 series. Assuming is the one you take care of business against the eight. Well, you better. Right. You know, and I'm, I'm writing about this, and they'll post it at KSL this morning here, about uh, how Donovan Mitchell better be right this year. Because <laughs> if they're not done with the first round this year, oh, that renders all this other stuff hollow. And then, you know, we probably would expect them to win the second round. Although the second round... In, you're getting some dangerous teams there. But that's fine. Well, it should be. Why do I want cakewalks? doesn't mean as much. You know? And maybe in the end, you know, the NBA will be what it usually is most of the time. It's the most predictable playoff league that we have. In that, all right, LeBron's there again. 
We went through all this song and dance. We yacked about all this on the snowy morning in February. <laughs> and but the Lakers got healthy. Yeah. And LeBron is back on top of the world. It yeah, could happen. It's all we got a bunch say. of people that love to promote the league, and they get paid to promote the league. I get paid to, to give my truthful opinion. And but that I'm promotes hoping, the league. Uh, if it does, it does. But I'm not. I don't go to Twitter with the idea of I'm going to promote the league. That's not how I got to my spot. That's not how I'm going to retain my spot. My spot is going to be because I'm going to say what I think. And if we get to June or July, whenever that final is, and it's still LeBron, that, to me, that that sort of stinks in that way. Unless the Jazz or Clippers push them to a hard-fought seven-game series and there was some drama, and, okay, he did uh, withstand it and advance, okay, I, I can live with that. But if it's the Lakers in five or four or five, that's the finals. That that's. I think that's bad for the league, in terms of the competitive balance. Uh, especially when the team was, they did nothing to put it together. I mean, they just, they orchestrated it, and it's not like they built from the ground up the way the Jazz have. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're going to take a break, come back with Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. He joins us next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on The Zone Sports Network. Eric Weddle joining us. You look at Tom, and there was no hesitation there when he was asked about next year. He's like, I'm coming back. I just can't figure out how, at 43 years old, a guy can keep doing that. Well, he rarely gets hit, so he probably feels great, right? His body doesn't hurt like the majority of us that play different positions that played a long time. And once you get a taste of the success, right, like you get to the top, you get all pro, you're, you're recognized as one of the best. You've seen it. You want it. It's like a so for him, that's like times 100, right? He's Super Bowl champ, Super Bowl MVP. Like, you got a great team, a great coach, a great system. I mean, this man threw for 40 touchdowns this year, 4,600 yards, a 45. I mean, this guy is still one of the top five best quarterbacks in the league, and he showed it. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and Gear brought to you by Davis Vision. Davis Vision's New Year's special continues through February. Save $1,000 off normal pricing now through the end of the month. Check them out now at davisvisionmd.com. Well, PK, as much as the national media isn't giving the Jazz all the love Jazz fans would like to hear, they are getting some of the love. The power rankings come out every week, and the Jazz, number one in a whole bunch of publications' power rankings. They've not ignored the 19 out of 20. Well, it wasn't 19 out of 20 when most of them were published. Uh, it was 17 or 1 or 18 or 1, depending on when they, depending on when they put them up. But number one, there it is, the Jazz. The best oh, team just in like the, the zone, number one. <laughs> ESPN, SI, The Athletic, on down the list, wherever you're looking. Number one, number one, number one. Number one. DJ and PK, it's time to welcome in our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland. Steve, good morning. Good morning. Steve, the Jazz keep winning, and now it's gotten to the point we're starting to see stuff. Well, they're peaking too soon. 
Do you ever worry about a team <laughs> peaking too soon, or as a coach, were you just happy we're winning and you'll deal with the whole peaking, not peaking, which doesn't necessarily mean it isn't true, but at the same time, you can't tell your team to go out and lose so they don't peak. Well, I, you know, I think every coaching staff knows uh, when teams are playing well, and uh, and and when you are, you know, you uh, you kind of, I don't know, you 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 don't downplay it, but you want to just got, get, get, keep guys doing going forward and understanding their roles and doing what they're doing. Uh, but I but I think the maturity of this team, the coaching staff. Uh, there's a lot of really good things that we can say about the Jazz right now, but probably uh, none more than this is a group collectively that understand their roles, the system, uh, they like each other. You know, a lot of the things that some teams struggle with, regardless of talent, and certainly there's significant talent here, but it's the collectiveness of everybody understanding a role, everybody understanding a system, uh, you know, next man up when somebody's hurt, all of those things. So, I mean, we're as coaches, we are a little bit superstitious, but when things are good, you know, enjoy it and continue to get better. I, I think that it's when you're playing well and winning that there's even more of an attention to detail from coaches, staff to players, from players to players. They, they sense and know that this is something special this year, and uh, they don't want to look back and have any regrets in terms of, well, we, we kind of got a little bit soft here. We didn't continue to, you know, execute our roles and play together. You know, you don't want to look back ever and see that. So you do the little things, more film, more conversations, tweaking things constantly to keep that, that momentum going. When, when you look at Utah, a Utah franchise isn't supposed to go 19-1. and one. It's not supposed to have multiple All-Stars. This is supposed to be a place that – is out in the middle of nowhere, and people don't like coming here, and it's cold, and it's snowy, and it's backwater, uh, but yet this team is just playing great ball probably as well as it can play. How much do you think all that stuff as far as this rep being this place that isn't a glamour spot can actually work to the advantage of the players in terms of, man, nobody really thinks you can get the job done in Salt Lake. So if you do get it done, Seems like it's wow. That would be something even more special than just getting it done. Actually, I think every guy in that team has has that mentality. I mean, you can just as you watch them. And I don't get to see them up close and personal as, as you do, the two of you do. But um, I, I think that all of those things play into it. And I think coaching staffs take advantage of that. I think leaders and teams of, of players they understand that uh, you know this isn't a media capital in the country. There's not going to be a great deal of attention. However, it's hard to ignore 19 out of 20. <laughs> and I, you know, one of the things that I enjoy, I mean, I listen to a lot of serious NBA radio and just because I enjoy it. And, uh, and I, I think Utah Jazz have everybody's attention. They understand it. But there's always, in fact, I heard Thurl Bailey on, uh, on the radio yesterday. And, you know, the question always comes up, well, uh, let's see how they do the Lakers. Can they beat the Lakers? You know, or is it the Clippers? There's always that question. Uh, do they have the ability at the next level to, to what well, those are things like Thurl said, those are things you don't know. But at the end of the day, I think his comments were, were, were really, really good. It's like, there, there's no one in this organization that doesn't believe that they can't beat anyone. And, and that's where their mindset is, but you still have to do it. But, 
they're just looking for things to talk about because in terms of the play, uh, when people are injured, guys stepping up, uh, you know, the Jazz is probably the greatest stretch of NBA basketball in the history of, of the organization, I would think. Uh, and so that's, there's nothing but good that comes from that. And, and this is a mature group. It's not a, a, a young group where you have to, a bunch of rookies or you have guys where their priorities aren't straight. I mean, there are a lot of things impacting this, this league this year. I mean, there really are. I mean, from COVID to start with and all the protocols, uh, literally no home court advantage, uh, games postponed, teams with injuries, quick turnarounds, playing more games than they've ever played in a short period of time. All of these things are impacting teams in the league. And yet they don't seem to be impacting the Jazz. I mean, Conley goes down for five games and Ingles at three out of four games scores in the mid-20s. I mean, people are stepping up. So it seems to me that all the outside distractions and issues and challenges haven't impacted the Jazz. They've they've just kind of gone – all right, next man up, let's go forward, let's, let's deal with this. Whereas some teams have been just devastated and, by the protocol. And, and literally guys aren't playing night in and night out, and it's hard to get that continuity. And the Jazz have experienced some of that as well. But the maturity of this team, the experience of this team, they kind of got through all that. And it really, you just see a team that seems to be oblivious to all those things I just talked about that impact team success. And, and I think that's just – the fact that they've got a wonderful system in place, they've got good coaches, and they've got mature players that uh, know their roles, and uh, you can just plug one guy in for another, and, and they understand that. And when you have under, when you have players understanding their roles, uh, I don't care what level, high school, junior high, whatever, you're going to be better. And this team has that, and uh, then that just increases the confidence of every person in the program. So when you talk about guys knowing their roles, you know, Royce O'Neal's role is to uh, move the ball, occasionally hit the open shot, and some of his teammates have said they wouldn't mind if he took a few more shots that he's passing some up. But basically his role is defend Antetokounmpo one night, Butler another night, and then Simmons the night after that. And sometimes he's on tiny little point guards, and sometimes he's on massive guys like Jokic. And we don't talk about it much because, uh, you know, offense is more fun to talk about than defense unless you're Gobert blocking shots at the room. But can you speak to what it's like to have a guy who's versatile and can defend that many different guys? Well, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's something a coach loves. And, and the more guys that can guard multiple positions, you are better able to deal with injuries, sickness, protocols, and so forth. You just plug somebody else in. And Royce has been a guy that has done that, but they, they have others that are capable and willing and willing to accept another role, not worrying about the next contract, worrying about this or worrying about that, or trying to uh, appease you know this particular faction of people, family members, coaches, whomever. There, there just doesn't seem to be those types of distractions with this team. And so, with a guy like Royce O'Neal, I mean, as a coach, you you love those types of guys that could guard the three, they could guard the four, they could guard the five, you know, and I, I always felt like I, as a coach, I liked going smaller in college because everybody was interchangeable, especially defensively, where you could switch everything. And, uh, and that just made it more difficult, you know, and you can put those kind of lineups. I mean, most of my experience 
at at, uh, at every level, high school, junior college, Division One level, end of games, I seldom went big. I, I wanted to have the ability to defend uh, in the most simple way that I could and not make myself vulnerable where people could take advantages of weaknesses. I wanted to have my best defensive group to finish games off. And, and, and when you have that, you have a rather than, you know, size is important and having, having bigs is important, but sometimes it can be a detriment in late game situations because of, of the ball screen actions and you get mismatches, whereas there's no advantage gained when you play a little bit smaller. And, and the Jazz have the ability, not that 6, 7, and 6, 8 is small at the professional level, but they have the ability. A guy like Royce O'Neal can guard any position on the floor. And the more guys you can have do that, uh, the more consistent you're going to be. Uh, there'll be less slippage in games defensively. And, and, and like you mentioned it, I mean, it, it, he knows what his role is. It, it's not about him. I mean, he's going to have nice where he knocks shots down, and, and that's great. But that's not his most significant role on this team. Did you get to know Ryan Smith at all? Yeah, I, I do know Ryan through just meeting him and talking to him. And, and it, he – he was in school and finishing school, and I know when I'd come back and I would I would be with Dave or Tim McComb, and and, and I'd met Ryan a few times on the golf course, and knowing from afar, I, my I think that uh, my I have one of my children just moved back to Provo, and uh, their uh, their daughter is is good is, is part of a dance group that's there, so they're they're having a little more interaction than I've had, but I've watched Ryan from afar, but but not in a real personal basis, other than that we have met several times but never a real relationship steve cleveland joining us our basketball insider here you mentioned earlier about uh you know health and injuries and uh, big games going forward and we'd all circled these big games against the east and the jazz have swept them and next up is the clippers twice and the lakers before the all-star break you're in california and you're following your lakers and you're following paul george who played for you and AD's out, and looks like he's not going to play till after the All-Star break. And now the Clippers have won their last two games without their two stars. Kawhi Leonard's been out, and Paul George has been out for a half dozen games. Do you think the Jazz are going to see any of these stars, or are these guys all going to be sitting when the Jazz play them? No, I don't, I don't think AD, I think you're right. I don't think AD's going to play until after the All-Star game. There, there's no, I mean, he's got to get better. I mean, the Lakers can't, he has to have a significant role for the Lakers to win. I mean, they just do not have he compliments so many other people. So, I, yeah, I, I think they're going to sit him, and uh, they may, you know, finish uh, a little farther down in the standings than they'd like, but they need a healthy AD. Uh, both Paul and uh, Kawhi have, have missed significant games, and guys have stepped up, and they've won a couple of games with without those guys. So, you know, I, I think, number one, I, I don't think that this is a really mature Jazz team. They're, they're not going to be tricked in. I mean, the, hey, this is the NBA. Guys step up. Guys that don't have opportunities step up, and all of a sudden the next thing you know, uh, you know, guys are – Simmons goes for 42 last night. It was like, well, why is that not doing that every game? Well, because Embiid didn't play. You know, and I, and I think that at the end of the day, every team has guys that can play once given an opportunity. So I, I'm, sure, I'm, I'm absolutely certain that the Jazz aren't going to overlook the Clippers. Uh, it, you know, if you were going down to play the Clippers in a normal situation, playing two games back to back, whether you had fans and you had this and you had that, 
you know, you know you'd really be in for a test. I mean, there's a, it's not going to be quite the same thing, but I don't think the Jazz are going to get tricked into fooling themselves thinking, hey, we're going to go down there. They're missing good guys. That's, that's just not the maturity of this team. I mean, that's not, the coaching staff's not going to allow that. There'll be difficult, challenging places to play. Guys will step up for them. I, I don't know if, if they're going to play, but even if they don't play, uh, nobody can just take a night off and go down and think you're going to win in the NBA just because the superstars aren't there. But yeah, is, would you rather, uh, you know, not have them play? Yeah, probably as a coach. I'd rather not have Paul and, and, and Kawhi out there. But that's not what they're wishing for. But it just seems to be happening all over throughout the league where a lot of the superstars are not there. So, yeah, it's not the same situation. With no fans and guys down a man or two, uh, the Jazz are still going to have to play well. You're on the road. And uh, the, I just can't see the Jazz overlooking anybody regardless of who's playing. That's just not the makeup and DNA of this team. And so they're, they're going to be prepared. And, uh, you know, the playoffs will be the playoffs. But just getting through this season is uh, quite a chore in itself. And nobody's done it better than Utah. So we're seeing this with the Clippers and the Jazz playing this two-game series, both in Los Angeles. We're seeing it at the college level, too. We've got Utah State, Boise State. Both of these games are going to be in Boise this week. As a fan, I like it because it it adds a little extra intrigue, these little mini-series things. What do you think of this as a coach? Hey, you know what? Uh, I mean, I'd rather be playing at home than on the road on those back-to-backs. But but uh, I like it. I I like it, and, and I and I and I think that you've got a you got your group focused. You're there for a week. You know everybody's you know kind of got their minds right, and, uh, and 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 there's a quick turnaround. Uh, and when all things are somewhat equal, you know there's a great disparity in you know in talent, which you know with Boise State and that's the, and Utah State, two really good basketball teams. So as a fan, I number one, I completely agree with you. As a coach, uh, yeah, you know what? I, I, I like the quick. I'd like the quick turnaround. You get an opportunity, especially when you're going on the road. You've got a chance to steal one there. Uh, you know, would you rather play two at home? Yeah, absolutely. But that's not the case. But I do like it. It's what they have to do to catch up and make up. It, this, this whole collision thing is going to be interesting to see who goes to the tournament, who doesn't. I mean, I'm looking at conferences where. One team's, you know, three and three, and somebody else is uh, ten and two. You know, <laughs> you know, one, one team's played eleven games, one's played six or seven. Uh, you know, hopefully we'll never have to go through this again. But I like it. I like it, and I think I like it as a coach as well. You, you've got everybody's full attention. You're going to get the most out of them, and you're not going to have six thousand people in Boise screaming and yelling at you. And so that does make a difference. I'm telling you, N- not having fans. Uh, and, and at times it, it, it can be an advantage for the visiting team going into a place, even though the baskets are different and the set, it, you know, the environment's a little bit different. You know, a couple of shoot arounds, you get used to the environment. So I, th- I think it's an advantage for teams that are on the road where they're playing back to backs, where they're not dealing with a fan base, where they're maybe dealing with somebody that's injured. So uh, I think there's no longer the disparity, and now it's a huge advantage coming to. University of Utah or BYU or Utah State. We, we know that. But it, it, let's, let's be honest with each other. There's a huge difference in playing where there's a full arena and a ton of noise. It impacts games. And you, that element to competition in the NBA this year doesn't exist. And it may not exist even through 
who knows? We, we might be back in the bubble again. Well, hopefully not. But it is different. And, and I think for teams that are more mature, they handle that better than, than, than those that don't have it and just, uh, you know, can't cope with travel, can't cope with protocols and all the other things that are happening. So I think in that respect, Utah Jazz are, are one up on everybody just because of their experience, maturity, and their focus. Well, to your point, the news is breaking right now. San Antonio's got four positive tests and the league's postponing the next three games, sources tell ESPN. And Charlotte's undergoing contact tracing and will have their next two games postponed. So, yes, it is a season unlike any other. Uh, but one of the things that's happening with these, uh, these series PK's talking about, these two games in three days, is it's minimizing travel. And... Dennis Lindsay said that was one of the big lessons of the bubble, that the players all told him, wow, I'm not getting on off airplanes. I feel totally different. How big a deal do you think it is for the pros, and is it the same deal for college, or is it a little less of a deal because they're traveling regionally? What do you think about the lack of travel that this brings to it, minimizing the travel? Well, I mean, anytime you minimize, I think it's a good thing, uh, considering all the issues and elements that you're dealing with right now. So it makes perfectly good sense. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're, I know just collegially speaking, you know, when when teams can fly in and sleep in their own beds, you don't think that makes a difference? Or I, we go to San Diego State, we come back, and we're in my bed by 1 o'clock in the morning, and I'll, I'll get to sleep in my own bed versus going through uh, terminals, uh, riding a bus, you know, playing a game. You, you're now you're I, – I can – I'll never forget uh, – we are one of our first year, our first year at BYU where there was a snowstorm and, and we were obviously, uh, you know, a, a team that uh, didn't have a great deal of talent, you know, great young man, a lot of heart, but I can remember weather patterns and circumstances where we're driving a, a bus to, to, uh, to Vegas. Uh, we're flying, getting into Albuquerque at, at two in the morning. Uh, no, no shoot around, uh, no pregame, just get there. We did a walkthrough. I mean, it was crazy. And yet somehow, some way, we found a, found a way to win there in that particular game. But in most times when teams, the advantage to collegiate teams that can fly in and out is a huge advantage over those that have to go through public transportation. And and, uh, and, I, and I think with the pros who do, have, do do fly in and out and already have access to all those things, uh, the transportation, it, it, it just saves your body. It, you know, just being on your feet, eating, you know, in, in different restaurants and, and dealing with the time and, and not sleeping well. You know, I mean, that, I mean, I know everybody saying, well, how can a 28-year-old not sleep well, you know? But at the end of the day, well, that travel can catch up with you, and it does make a difference. So, again, another thing for, uh, for everybody, I mean, it impacts everybody, that you have a better opportunity to win on the road when uh, you're not having to deal with, even at the pro level where they got private jets and everything, it's still sleep issues, weather issues, uh, the environment issues, all the things that, that go into traveling. It's never easy to play on the road, uh, but it's easier today than it was you know, two years ago. And that win you speak of at the pit might have been the most improbable one that I've ever covered in person in my entire life. I, I agree. I, I think about that weekend, and uh, we're going. I think they were 13th or 14th ranked. They were they were ranked pretty high. Yeah. And the, the irony of that 
game is uh, Justin Whitehower, who had was kind of like the lone That's senior. Larry on that Bird, team. you're talking about, not Justin yeah, Whitehower. Exactly. <laughs> he hit his first ten shots in a row. And, you know, here's the funny thing about that game. And I, I mean, it's one of those impression, impressionable things in your life as a coach. We're up like eighteen or twenty at half, and at the first TV timeout in the second half, we're up two or four, and we're going, "Oh my!" And the place is going crazy, and somehow, some way, you know. Uh, Danny Bauer hit a couple big threes. Ron Solis made up. I mean, it was one of those improbable games. And I will tell you a little inside peek on that. I remember the the meeting that we went to. This this is where we had to, you know, it took us forever to get everywhere because of the snowstorm. But I can remember, you know, trying to say something positive in a team meeting after we did film and we were going to get ready to get on a bus. And I, we needed to win two games to make the tournament. That, that time, the WAC was 16 teams. And I remember turning to them and said, we can do this. You know? And, I, and I, I was trying to be as positive as I could. And I walked out the door and I go, that was probably the stupidest thing you've ever said. You know? I mean, I thought the, that doubt crept into my head. But then I went right back in and I said, listen to me. I'm telling you, you can go and win in these places. You know? And so winning that game and then – that next day, we, we go to El Paso, and UTEP wasn't ranked, but they had a really good team and a Hall of Fame coach and Don Haskins. And uh, for another time, I'll share with you my experience. I have a Coach Haskins, but he came down and introduced himself to me, congratulated us on the win, and uh, I don't think he thought we had a snowball's chance in hell of winning there. That <laughs> night, triple overtime, we beat them and qualified for the tournament. Probably the single most significant event over a weekend that I've ever been involved with with a young group of guys, uh, not a lot of experience, a lot of junior college guys, and they found a way to get it done. So that is one of the great memories of with a group of guys. And anytime we see each other, we kind of always talk about that. How, how did that happen? <laughs> but it did. And so you, you never stop believing. Steve, as always, we appreciate a little time. Thanks for joining us. Sorry you're not here shoveling snow with the rest of us. We finally got snow, yeah. but... Now you're in Fresno. You probably have fog. We have a little bit of not so much fog anymore, but it is much much nicer weather. Golfing weather. Yeah, you win. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Take Thanks, care. Steve. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, joining us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Andrew Greif, L.A. Clippers writer, covers the Clippers for the L.A. Times. He will join us coming up at 9.30. The Clippers keep winning even without their stars. We'll talk with him coming up in a little more than half an hour. Right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Different athletes have wanted parts of the franchise before. Didn't you get 15 points in your uh, semi-pro hockey team? Didn't you, didn't you get 15% of that club? <laughs> no, I didn't. No. But I was, uh, I don't want to get into what it. What was the name of the goalie you had on that team there, Gordon? Well, for a couple of years it was Bill Puxley, but, you know, <laughs> in, uh, I, I sort of, we've parted ways. I haven't really kept up with him. Bill Puxley. <laughs> Man, he could really stop that puck. <laughs> Not to be confused no, with the no, right no. winger, John Ice Nettington. <laughs> Catch the big show weekday from 2 to 7, presented by Big O Tires, the team you trust on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Join hands to Scotty G Friday from 10 to 2 at the Warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Who's going to say boom, you or me? You. Boom! Speaking of boom, the Jazz lowering the boom again, eight in a row. 19 out of 20. 
PK, why what? can't people sit back and just let the victories wash over them? Enjoy the good times. Why the stress over worrying about what somebody who lives halfway across the country thinks? Why, PK? Why? I think that's who we are, though. You want the glory that goes with what you've earned. And right now, in a sense, they're not getting the respect that they've earned. I mean, you're 19-1. and one, And that's awesome, man. Never I thought at any point over any game stretch, any 20-game stretch, I should say, that I would say that this ball club was 19-1. and one. They've taken a dramatic leap. This is not incremental. You know, they talked for years about not skipping steps. Well, they've skipped steps <laughs> for the for the good, so they're not going to complain and throw it back. But they're they're not supposed to be this good, I don't think. I think most of us had us had them <clears throat> competing for a top four spot in the West. I think that was reasonable. But I don't think that we had them as we're just what, uh probably about ten days away from the halfway point. And it's uh, games are going to be fluctuated as you just spoke. The Spurs are shutting it down. Charlotte's going to be down for two games. The Jazz game that they play is the fourth game on their schedule going forward. So we'll see how that plays out. That game is supposed to be Monday here in town. Hopefully it happens. But they're bearing down on having the best record. If they have this all-star game, they usually have the coaches with the best record in the first half, which means Quinn Snyder is just about clinched getting the opportunity to coach that thing. So they've skipped a step, or if not more, depending on what your opinion is. I don't think any of us would disagree that they've skipped a step because I don't think we had them this good. And that is a tremendous story, but yet the story is slow to catch on to the level of the winning. So why wouldn't that bother people? you got Draymond Green going off yesterday. I think it was yesterday, right? That's when I first heard That's about what I it. saw. I saw last yeah. night when I was right. looking during the Jazz game. I saw so I assume it, it was yesterday uh, of him complaining about unfairness in terms of, well, if a player has to be traded and sits out, he catches all sorts of all sorts of grief. But if the team wants to trade Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond and they sit those guys out, it's no big deal. Uh, so he's seeing that as inequity, and he's lashing out. People lash out at inequity to go big picture, far more important. That's the essence of racism is lashing out as this inequity. Now, compared to the Jazz getting publicity, obviously racism is a thousand trillion times more important. We all understand that. But still, in its own little sphere, little sector here, they don't seem to be getting the love that equals the amount of winning and people would be naturally bothered by that if you're a fan of that team. I can understand that. Yeah, and all of that, the thing I would disagree with the most is uh, the expectations. Although, big picture, I agree with you. They are skipping a step. No one had them competing for the top spot in the West. No no one I heard speak anyway. I mean, there's somebody out there, but I didn't hear it. I They competed for four last year. I thought the goal this year was get into the 2-3 series. Right. And now we're recalibrating the goal. The goal now is we'll avoid the 2-3 series. Yeah. <laughs> what in the yeah. world do you want to play? You don't want a path where you got to play the Clippers and Lakers in back-to-back series regardless of the order. If you can let them beat up on each other in the second round, you take your chance with uh, Phoenix or uh, San Antonio. Uh, who Denver. Else? Denver could end up being in there. Uh, you know. Portland, certainly Portland. Yeah, that was who I was trying to think of. You know, who knows? Uh, it's so congested between four and seven, eight, nine that you don't know who's going to be in the four or five series and then whoever wins it. 
So take your chances with them, and it might be pick your poison. I mean, it's all about matchups, and when you get there, you know, who's healthy and who's playing well, and maybe they'd be a tougher matchup for one isolated reason because of one matchup. If you, if you have a problem, and I think that's really the goal now for Quinn Snyder, if you have a problem and other teams are capable, they will attack that problem ignore it, everything else. They will attack that problem Every single possession, quarter after quarter throughout the playoffs. So I think the goal for the Jazz now is, yes, keep winning games and be the one seed, but you've got to find out what your problems are and minimize them. Because your strengths, I mean, they're, they're great, but other teams are going to attack your weakness. They're going to make you do offensively what you do worst. And they are defensively going to attack you wherever you are weakest. So how do you, how do you shore that stuff up? And, and for most teams right now, and the Jazz... This seemed to be overcoming it effortlessly. It's probably, I would say it's the most impressive part of the run, is that during this run, they've missed key guys for a lot of games. You know, Joe missed four, Mike Conley's missed five now, Donovan and Derek Favors missed a couple, and it was the same couple. So that's 11 games they haven't had their guys and they've gone 11-0. Now we're looking at Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, all missing anywhere from some to a significant number of games. And can these teams keep rolling? And, and the short-term answer for the Clippers is, yeah. Every bit as much as the Jazz. They, they, they didn't have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George Sunday, and they won. And they didn't have him again last night, and they won again. So how long can they keep that up without their two stars is an excellent question. And, well, they have to. It was a leg contusion for Kawhi, so it seems like he could be back from that any time. Both of those guys are out. They go 0-2 against the Jazz. You would think, right? No, I guarantee. Oh, you guarantee. Guarantee. Quit saying it that way. That's bugging me. <laughs> well, then all the more reason to do it. I learned it from watching you. Uh, right? That's the kind of, kind of person you are. When I find out something bugs you, I immediately cease and desist. What? That's who I am. Okay. You, you just like to peck, 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 peck. Yeah. So, I mean, come on. You're the woodpecker. And with that in mind, I think you can do it to a short term. Now, as far as the jazz go, man. You lose Gobert, all bets are off. Not in a one game. I'm talking over a sustained period. That would seem to be the biggest problem looming out there if it were to happen. Hopefully it won't happen. Yes, very much so. And I don't know how this virus stuff works. Uh, do the players deserve credit? Do the coaches? I mean, they really being stringent? I assume they are. and But I don't know that somebody who isn't, or somebody who also is doesn't also get it, so I don't really know. But it's great to see that that hasn't been an issue on this team this year. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Andrew Greif, L.A. Clippers writer for the L.A. Times, coming up in about 20 minutes right here on 97.5 at 12.80 The Zone.